Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and we talk about life. Because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. I wouldn't say it if it wasn't. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing, writing life, uh, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres, all kinds of writers, all kinds of writers. You know, it's nice we get to, I get to talk to this because usually I got to wait till people come to Seattle. That's where I am, by the way. I'm in Seattle. I got to wait till people come here so I can shoot interviews with them. But these days, well, no one's going anywhere. So I've been doing them remotely. And, uh, you know, so right up there now, I got my conversation with uh, Susie Moore, who's this wonderful life coach talking about stop checking your likes. Great conversation. Well, I just finished one uh, last week with uh, Michael Elias. This is a fellow who worked in television and film for a while, worked a lot with Steve Martin, worked on um, uh, All in the Family, Mary Tyler Moore's show, and now he's writing novels. Fascinating guys. You see, we're all over the place. We're all over the place. We don't just do one genre. No, we don't. So go check it out at authormagazine.org. Authormagazine.org. Also, we're funded by... The Pacific Northwest Writers Association, these good people have been supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955, and if you want to get involved with them, if you want to take some of their online classes, we're going to be doing on virtual online classes. I will be teaching some virtual online classes. If you want to get involved in that, never a better time than now. Everything's virtual. Doesn't don't have to be in the Northwest to, to benefit from their what they're offering. No, you don't. No, you don't. So go check it out at pnwa.org. All right, well, today's author, what a nice person, Amy Engel. Amy is a former criminal defense attorney who grew up in Iran and Missouri. Interesting combo. Her debut novel, The Book Ivy, was published in 2014, just six short years ago, and it won the Missouri Gateway Readers Award and the Georgia Peach Book Award. And after that promising start, well, she's gone on to publish The Revolution of Ivy, The Roanoke Girls, and, oh, scary book, her most recent, The Familiar Dark, and she's with us today. Amy, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, uh, it's good to have you on. So you were, you know, Amy, I've said this to other people like yourself, but I could have an entire show devoted only to writers who used to be attorneys. Uh, that is the. I know. That is the, of all the crossover professions, yes. you would think it'd be like journalist or, t- no, it's, it's, it's attorney. What do I you know, think of that? It should, be sort of, it should be sort of a cautionary tale to everyone in law school, because I feel like if we all loved, <laughs> if we all loved being lawyers that much, we'd still be doing it. Um, and yeah. the fact that so many of us have stopped to do something else uh, may say something about the profession, but I also just think, um, you know, a lot of people who go to law school tend to be good writers anyway. Um, And so maybe, maybe it's just sort of a natural progression for a lot of people. Well, aren't you as the attorney, I mean, of course there's all different types of attorneys, but ultimately aren't you telling a story? Aren't you like looking at all the facts and then arranging right. them in such a way that you tell a story either for, you know, for your client or your defense attorney. But right. aren't you essentially trying yeah. to tell a story? 
Absolutely. You know, any any courtroom lawyer, that's that's really what it is, you know, for the jury, especially um, in criminal cases. You know, the burden of proof is on the prosecution, but jurors want a story. They want, right. um, you know, some something that makes sense to them um, as far as what happened. And so, yeah, you're trying to, to you know, flesh out this story for them that they that that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I would tell my students when I teach writing is, is to actually think of themselves like a lawyer and the reader is a as a as a as the um jury and it's all about showing and not telling you wouldn't say look at my client look how innocent he is he's innocent take right. my word for it i've seen a lot of guilty yeah. people he's not one of them no you got to give him facts right. and that's the showing and not the telling i think it actually works right. as a kind of a as a uh yeah as that's a metaphor. Great. yeah yeah absolutely. all right so okay so i don't know growing up uh, your plan all along was not to be a writer, not to be a lawyer, was it? Or was that just something you sort of like, well, I'm an A student. What am I going to do with myself? Like, how, how did that go? Yeah, <laughs> it was more of that. Um, yeah. I, you know, in my family, my extended family, everyone is a doctor, a lawyer, or a teacher. Uh, those, no. those tend to be. All right. And so growing up, I just thought, well, those are, that's what you do. You do one of those three right. things. And I always wanted to be a writer, but um, I'm dating myself here. But when I graduated college in 1993, um, you know, I, I was in, I went to the University of Kansas. I didn't have, I didn't know anyone who was a writer or who right. was worked in publishing. I had no idea how that even worked. And it just seemed so daunting to even try to figure that out. And my creative side has always been balanced by a pretty practical side. And yeah. so I thought, well, I can, you know, try to figure out this writing thing with no idea what I'm doing or I can go to law school. So that just seemed like the smarter, safer path. Um, And so that's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think also I grew up in Providence. I was, we were talking beforehand. I, my parents were from Kansas city. They grew up in Kansas city. And so we'd go back there and visit and, uh, and I go to, you know, rural Missouri and Providence does have Brown university and RISD, which is the Rhode Island school of design. And it has a kind of a a, somewhat of an arts community, but it's still a small town in a small state and you're out in the Midwest. And I, there is something, I don't know what it'd been like to grow up in Seattle, which is lousy with writers and, and big bookstores and, or New York or any of these places. If, I don't know if it would make any difference because it make it seem less remote. Cause I would think it'd be easy to grow up in Kansas city thinking, well, writers don't live here, even though they, they do, but it does feel like they're, they come from right. elsewhere. Yeah. Does that make, yeah. does that resonate? Yeah. Absolutely. And it, you know, it's one of those, if you growing up, if I said to people, I want to be a writer, even though my family was very, you know, artsy in its and, own way and, and right. sort of encouraged me to write my stories. If I had said, I'm going to, I'm going to be a writer. I think the reaction would have been, are are you crazy? Are you kidding right. me? Like you need right. that, that whole Midwestern, you know, you need something practical and something stable, which isn't untrue, but, and, you know, yeah, just, I didn't even know how someone got an agent or how right. someone got a book published or the, even the very first step you would take to do something like that. So, right. yeah, I think maybe in other parts of the country where, 
you know, you run into people who've had a book published or who have worked in publishing, it doesn't seem like such a far off, um, crazy you know, idea. idea. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Now, if I understand the story goes, so you're a criminal defense attorney and that's rough. I would think it, it would have its ups and downs to be sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you're working in, in, and you're working in the Kansas city area when you're an attorney. Yes, I worked, okay. um, the, the bulk of my cases were in federal court. So, okay. Um, oh, boy. All right. In downtown, oh. Yeah. Downtown Kansas city, Missouri. So, all right. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So you're doing that. And if I recall correctly, you, you get pregnant because you, you and your husband side of a family and you right. decide, I don't want to try to do the, the well, work and home or what, what, how did that, is that part of what led to the writing? Um, yeah, actually I, after I had um, both kids, I, I was still working as an attorney. Oh, you um, were? Oh, and okay. then, yeah, I did that until my son was five and my daughter was three. Um, wow. And it was, it was crazy. It was yeah. no fun for anyone, but um, my son was starting kindergarten and we live in the sub, but by that point we'd moved to the suburbs, although I still worked in the city right. and um, his school still had half day kindergarten. Right. Um, oh, wow. Something a, lot of, a lot of schools don't have anymore. No. So no. He, yeah. So I was trying to figure out what, how is that going to work? How, what am I going to do? Um, and so it just seemed smarter to, um, quit and stay home with them for a little while. And I figured that might be a good time to explore writing. Right. And, and is your husband a, a, um, attorney also? He is. Yeah. Not criminal, oh, but yeah, my he's an attorney God, also. the two of you, Jesus. Okay. So you guys, <laughs> you guys, a couple type A's in there, but all right. Good. Well, so, okay. So he understood. And so you, so he's off doing, so, you, right. so he says, okay, you stay home and you, I'm going to write, but apparently, but you didn't write right away. Yeah. No, I didn't. And, <laughs> I, and I told him, I said, um, you know, I'm going to stay home with the kids for a few years and I'm going to try to write a book. And if I don't get published, then I'll go back to practicing right. law. And right. he's very practical. And, you know, so I think he was a little nervous. He was like, well, how, how long are we talking? Like how long do right. you give yourself? And I said, well, I was thinking 10 years. And he was like, 10 years. <laughs> That's about right though. That's about right. I know. Frankly. I said, yes. I said, I've done my research. That seems reasonable. And he was like, okay, we'll, oh we'll revisit this later. But yeah. Right. So I had this grand plan. And then I'd say for the first maybe five years, I barely wrote anything. Um, yeah. And partly it was just fear and inertia, and part of it was just two small children draining yep. the life out of me. Um, yep. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's true. Was, yeah, finally I was like, oh, boy, if I don't get going on this um, seriously, I'm going to run out of my 10-year window. Um, right. So, yeah, so I got busy. So, all right, well, so when you finally did – sit down and, and let yourself start. Right. And I'll tell you, I've, I've made a career out of working with people who are facing inertia. And so this is one of my specialties. Right. I find it fascinating. <laughs> what is really, what is really keeping us from doing this thing we like to do. Writing is so interesting, right. actually, not to go on about yeah. it, but, but the people who write love to write and yet they will mm -hmm. avoid doing it, even though when they're doing yeah. it, 
usually they love doing it, you know, usually unless it's really going, but they will still avoid it. Right. And even when the avoiding it makes us miserable, we still sometimes avoid it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. There's something about it. I, I always say to my students, as good as writing can make me feel, and, it, and like when it's going well, I, there, is, it, right. there is no better experience, I don't think, for me. No, when it's gone poorly, it, that's as bad as I can feel. Like it is really yes. at the other end of that stick is how bad I feel yes. when I step away thinking, I can't do this. I've never been able to do this. I don't. Is that, right. You I'll never be able to do it again. Never yeah. again. Right. Did you face yeah. a few of those when you were getting, when you finally did get your butt in the chair and start working on yes, the first book? Yes, I did. And, and I wrote a one book that will never see the light of day. Right. Um, sure. You know, I did that. And then um, generally once I get going on something, I'm pretty focused and committed. It's the getting going that yeah. um, I struggle with. And you know maybe what? it's because I, oh, go ahead. No, go, no, but, no, I'm sorry. You are the guest. You oh, go ahead. I'll finish that. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I think maybe it's because once I do get going, I'm so focused and I tend oh. to um, sort of neglect other areas of my life that right. that maybe I I put it off. You know, my kids always accuse me even now if when I'm in. They can always tell when I'm in writing mode because I'll they'll be talking to me and I'm I'm answering them, but they're they'll say you're not you're not really listening, are you? You're thinking, and I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm in my head. I'm in my book, and I'm working on the next scene. Sorry. Yes. And they've gotten yes. you know they're. They're teenagers now, so they're used to it. But right. when they were younger, I always felt so guilty. I was like, "Oh my gosh, yeah." I'm a you terrible know how cool mother. it is. How cool it is to have a mom who's a novelist. Well, maybe they don't see. You know what? Maybe they don't see it that way. Maybe it's just annoying to them. But I would think. Well, you know, what I was going to say is that I wrote an article for this for Writers Digest, and I've got a chapter on it in my new book. But starting is not addressed nearly often enough in writing books and writing. I talk about it a lot. Right. Shift going from what I think of as the domestic frame of mind to the writing frame of mind. It's not automatic. And I think that's something that writers need to take seriously because it's a shift and you can't expect it. It's not a switch you can just turn off. I think you've got to take that moment very seriously. Yeah, and there's a lot of talk about writer's block, like in the midst of a book, but not right. so much about the block that comes sometimes before actually starting the book, which is which is the block I have more often. Right. Um, oh, interesting. But yeah, you, yeah. A lot of the when a lot of the people I, I teach a class called Fearless Writing, where it's, it's really like a self-help class for writers, and one of the things that frequently comes up for the women who attend it and often I look out and it's all women in the class because that seems to be who's drawn to these things. But something that comes up with them is, which I think does not come up with men. I'm wondering if this happened to you because you had small kids is in order to write, you got to close the door on the people you love and all your responsibilities. And you really got to close the door and say, this is not about you now. I'm not for the next, however many hours, this is just me and my thoughts and my story. And it ain't about you. And for a lot of the right. women I knew, that was very hard for them because they it, they made them it it meant they were not good people because they weren't there for anybody. They weren't, you know, helping someone. They were shutting the yeah. door. That wasn't something. Did you have to go through that, or were you a little more like mm, well, I can turn it on and off? I think I think the guilt thing is real. Um, 
I maybe I'm just a more selfish person <laughs> because self-actualized. I, I could do that, um, but I actually found that when I would, when they were little, and I would get them occupied with something, and then I would sneak away up to my office and shut the door. Within minutes, they would follow me, banging on. What are you doing? Oh God. <laughs> That, you know, sort of like when parents get on the phone and then their kids suddenly want them and need them. Right, Um, right. So I found that if I just stayed in whatever room they were in and just put in earbuds um, and put on, like, some sort of background music and Uh wrote, they they would leave me alone as long as I was in the room with them. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Psychology of it. Yeah, and so that is how I wrote my Uh, first few books, was right there. They'd be watching TV or playing a game or playing Barbie or whatever, and I would be right there next to them, um, but sort of zoned out. But because I was present in the room, that was was okay. It was when they thought that I was completely removed and, like, they couldn't get me if they needed me or something, that they would come, yeah, bother me. So. um, I did feel some guilt, but maybe, maybe nah. because I was a stay-at-home mom, I was with them so much anyway. I think if I'd been working full time and then coming home and trying to write, and that would have been that would have been much harder. Yeah, you know, the fact is, most of the time, I, I raised two kids, and my wife and I did, and she, we, I was home, and she was home, I was at work, and I come, and we were back and forth trading. She was a writer too, yeah. and so we were always bouncing up. And most of the time, the fact is they don't need you most of the time. I mean, they really don't need no. you most of the time, except when they're little. And even then, you know, but they just no, want to yeah. know. They just want to kind of, emo- they want the thread to still be there, I think. But they don't right. really need exactly. you. I know. And I think of like growing up in the 70s, my parents, I mean, oh my you know, God. It's, such a, yeah. it's such a joke now, but it's true. It's sort of like, yeah. you know, fend for yourself. See ya. And yeah. Um, you know, I yeah. think we all turned out fine. So, <laughs> uh, well, I, I did at least. I think that you did a good job, Mom. She might be listening. Uh, yeah. So, so, um, yeah. So, all right. So, the, bo- the first book you actually published is the Book of Ivy, which was a young adult novel. Um, Correct. Did you plan it as a young adult novel, or did you find an agent who said this young lady is a young adult novel? I don't know if you know it or not. What? How did um, that go? I actually. I had the idea and it just made sense as a young adult novel. I couldn't, okay. I couldn't picture right. the idea any other way. And I didn't have an agent and I, it was uh, actually published without an agent. What? Um, really? Who, what? To one of the big five well, or to a smaller publisher? No, no. It's a smaller publisher, um, Entangled Teen, but, but they have okay. a partnership with Macmillan. Oh, okay. So their books are placed in bookstores. Um, ah. So it was in it was in Barnes and Noble and the indie bookstores and um, all right school libraries and all of that. So it was oh, sort nice. of okay. Uh, yeah, so it worked out well. And then then when I went on to my adult novels, I I got an agent for right. for those. Right. And okay. Oh, so that's all right. So you got in with a very small publisher. Sounds like, mm-hmm. but but there it is. You've gotten it out. And wh- right. And what was the how did you find when you first had your first book out, was that a strangely disappointing experience, strangely enlivening? Like, what was that like? Was it more or less than you expected? 
Um, oh, gosh, that's a great question. I mean, exciting because I could go in a bookstore and see it there on yeah. the shelf. But I think for me, like, I, I always think of the next thing. I was like, well, I wish right. it was in hardcover. Or right, I wish, right. you know, there's always something, no matter what, that I always think of the next thing that, you know, well, hopefully the next book will be this or um, – and so, yeah, it was it was very exciting, but I was already looking ahead to the next yeah. thing. Oh, well, you've got the right attitude there, Amy. That's the <laughs> way you got to do it. Yeah, no, it's true. You got to you because uh, you know the thing is, once you finish a book, you it's really you're done with it. You like you've learned what you, right. you could learn from it, and it, now it belongs to the readers anyway. And so, no, that's the right yeah. attitude. Yeah. And so, okay, now so did the revolution of Ivy come? Before the Roanoke Girls, or not, um, or the other way. I was under when they when they bought the Book of Ivy. They bought uh, it was a two book series, but I hadn't I hadn't written the second book yet. So right. um, I had a deadline for Revolution of Ivy, um, and right in the middle of writing it, I got the idea for the Roanoke Girls and. Mm. So I told my husband, I'm like, I'm going to stop writing Revolution right now, and I'm going to write this other book because it's in my head and I can't get it out. And he was like, he was freaking out. He doesn't understand. He doesn't, he doesn't understand. But his uh, okay. lawyer brain was like, you're not going to make the deadline for right, the book. That's right. under, you know, he was, he was panicking, right. but um, it, it worked out fine. I, I got a first draft of Roanoke done. And then I went back to revolution and finished that up. Um, so, yeah, they sort of wrote them simultaneously, which wow. I've never done before, and I, I don't really recommend. I don't know if I'd do it again. Um, right. <laughs> it, was, well. it, was stress- it was stressful, but it worked out. So. And so Familiar Dark, so this is your fourth. is a suspense novel, and, and, uh, and, and do, you, do you plan to keep writing in the adult, adult suspense, or, do you, or are you going to go back to YA? What do you, what do you think? No, I think I'm going to stick with adult suspense. I think it's where I feel uh, most comfortable and most connected to the story and the characters. And it's just, it's the most natural fit for me, I think. Right. So yeah, okay. that's where, that's where I plan on staying. And, and I'm sure you're already working on the next one. Yeah. Um, yeah. The quarantine, you know, I, it, the beginning, it was a little hard to concentrate because I was constantly checking the news and, right, um, but right. Finally, I was like, you know, I have no excuse for not trying to at least, you know, get the next book started. So, yeah, I've actually been been working on it quite a bit. So that's been nice. Um, so how have you as you so you've written four? Well, you've written five, but you published four and you've two yeah. young adults and two. Adults. How what's the thing you felt like as a novelist that you needed you needed to learn the, what was the thing you really needed to learn? This had the, this needed the most growth in you as a, as a, as a writer. It didn't come real easy to you. Oh gosh. Um, trying to, if you could put it in words. Probably to trust my instincts as a writer. Um, you know, you, you read a lot of books and the, about the craft or I used to, I don't so much anymore. Um, 
but they talk about outlining and, and sort oh, of, God, especially yeah. in, especially in mystery sort of knowing sure. where, and that's just not how I work. And it, when I tried to do that for one, I, I wrote a book in between Roanoke and the familiar dark that way. And I ruined a book. I mean, it, yeah. I'll never go back to it. It's, it's yeah. done now, but that's just not how I how I work. And so I, I've learned to just trust my own process more and to trust the feelings that I get when I'm writing. Like the other night I was writing a scene and it just was not working. And I've learned, I've done it enough times now that I know that that is my subconscious trying to tell me that I'm trying to push the story in a direction that it doesn't oh, want to go. And right. so I, I just left it alone, and I went down, and I had dinner, and in the middle of dinner, <laughs> I was like, uh, uh, oh, I've got it, I've got it, and my whole family was like, oh, here she goes again, but it, I figured out what, where it needed to go, and it was not where I was pushing it, and so I, I you know, was able to move on from there, but I think a few years ago, I would have tried to force that scene right. a little more, um, Yeah. and so, it's, it's... so, yeah, learning to trust myself is probably the thing that that has come the the hardest but it's it's been the most rewarding yeah you know i i i i really i say of writing a lot of time when i'm sitting there i'm not really thinking you know when i'm writing and right if i'm not actually typing i'm not thinking i'm testing the ideas yes. to see if i'm forcing them or the, if it's is there effort or effortlessness because the effortless yes. is the yes. way that I want to go. That's mostly what I'm doing. I'm just testing it and testing it and testing it. Yeah. I'm not if it feels like, yeah, if it feels like I'm working at the at the scene and the dialogue, and it, then I know it's not right. right. Um, when right. it just sort of flies out of my fingers onto the keyboard, then I know I'm, yeah. I'm in the right spot. Yeah, yeah, it's all you know. It was it was Andre Debuse, the novelist. I really like him. I've interviewed a bunch of times. He's a nice guy. And he, he's a good teacher, too. He likes to talk about writing and teaching writing. And he, made, yeah. he said something once that really stuck with me. He said, I had to learn to write with my body and not with my mind. And I thought, uh-huh. I think he's right. Because, like really, you know, whether it's right or wrong, I feel it in my body. I feel it like in my chest. Yeah. It's not in my head, really. It's in my body. Right. You wouldn't, you know, it's not like you're jumping around while you're writing. But it is a, it's a kind of a whole body experience. When you're tuned yeah, in. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yes. I see. It's, it's, all right. So, okay. So now if people, so obviously I, they probably had some kind of book tour plan, but that got scuttled. And so you're <laughs> doing stuff like this. Are you, are you going to do it? Do you do any kind of zoom? It wasn't, the publishing date wasn't today, was it? No, it wasn't. No, it was March 31st. Okay. So, so I thought was, this was not one of those that just yeah, came out. Yeah, about six um, weeks ago. Yeah. All right. So did you do any kind yeah. of stuff? Did you do any virtual stuff? Yeah, there were some. Um, yeah, I've done um, some Instagram lives with book bloggers and, oh, okay. um, um, uh, you know, some different things like that. But, yeah, all of the in-person stuff, obviously, was canceled. The and the, yeah, all of yeah. that. But, you know, it's, in the scheme of the world, it's, it's not – that tragic you know it's it's disappointing but it's it's not terrible so well i'm just trying to I roll think, with it yeah and i think we're learning 
of other ways to do things. I think some of the stuff we've been doing, you know, from my, you know, I, I don't have a book out right now, or, so I didn't have to promote anything, but my friends who have books comes out, who came books that came out. And I think some of the things we're learning how to do is authors may carry over to when things, assuming they ever do return to normal. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if, if the virtual book event sticks, sticks around in some form or another. I think it wouldn't be yeah. the worst thing. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. All right. So, but if people want to learn about you and like, Oh, this Amy's an interesting person. I got to read her book. What's the, where do they go to amyengel.com? Is it just that simple or is it something it's, more complicated? It's amyengel.net actually. Oh, right. Dot dot, net. Dot Amy com Eng- was already taken. So it's A-M-Y-E-N-G-E-L.net. Yeah. Right. Engel. I, Angel, I, I, yeah. I almost wrote you as Amy Angel, but it's not. I thought, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, a lot of people do the L-E, but it's E-L. So, yeah. E-L, okay. A little, yeah, a little confusing, but yeah. AmyAngel.net. <laughs> and, okay, and so yeah. they can find out about you and if they want to. I don't know. You, you, suspense don't tend to do this so much, but do you ever do, like, uh, book uh, groups, that kind of thing? Do you ever do that stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. All right. Book, book, and so you can do so, virtual yeah, book events. I've, yeah. Book, I've book done groups. Yeah. Ones and I've done, I did a virtual one for the new right. book. So yeah, absolutely. All right. All right. Hear that people. If you got a book group and you want to see Amy, you, you will be, you'd be good. Amy will be one entertaining guest at your party. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, okay. I'm not quite done with you. You kind of answered this, but I'm going to okay. put it to you again. It might be a broader answer than what you gave me, which is that finish this sentence. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? Just writing. Tell me a lot. Um, just writing. All the writing. Um, well, I mean, it probably goes back to what I said before, to trust that I that I have good instincts. Um, it's, it's taught me that I have good instincts and that I can finish what I started. And I think yeah. that's actually, um, you know, one of those things that for new writers, I always – um, for my young adult books, I did a lot of talks at high schools and a lot of mm. young writers would ask me, you know, what's, what's a piece of advice? And I always told them when you're first starting out, finish the book because it's yeah. so easy to fall into that trap. If you have this great idea and you start it and then you get to the hard part in the middle and you're like, eh, this right. is boring. This is hard. I'm going to start something else. And you, you end up with 12 half books and never a book. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I think finishing what you started is really important. But, it, yeah, and writing, it, it's just, it taught me, this sounds so cheesy, but when I was a kid, it was all I wanted to be and all I wanted to do. And the fact that I get to do it now, it's still amazing to me. It's, it really is the best job in the world, even on days when it's hard. Um, and those days when you think, you know, uh, I'm done. I've written, I, I've written all the words I have, and now I'm done. I can't write anything else. But um, it's just, it's an amazing privilege to be able to write books. That's great. That's great. You see, dreams do come true, Amy. They do. <laughs> they do indeed. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Congratulations on the Familiar Dark and all the other books you're going to write. You. Thank you so much. All right. Take it easy. Thanks. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Trust people and finish. It's really true. You got to finish it. 
You don't know what your book is until you finish it. You got to get to the end. That's when you really know what you got. You got to learn how to do it. I wrote a blog a day, you know, these little, but they were short, but I still had to finish something every day for years, five days a week. It was very helpful. It really taught me to finish things and taught me that when something's finished, nothing's ever really finished. I got used to that feeling of it not really being done like I thought, knowing what it meant to really have something be done. Very helpful. Finish things. Yes, indeed. Okay. That's it. I'll be back again next week. Thank you, my fabulous producer, RJ Jeffries. And to all you guys, go find something you love to do and do it. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.